0: Education was not simply another part of American society. It was the key that
1: opened the golden door. For education, you learn how to learn. We must trust students to learn if given a chance. If the pursuit of learning is not defended, it will not be defended at
0: all. Welcome to the 180 Days podcast, where we're going to be talking about all things education, having to do with parents, students, teachers, policy, of whatever is happening in the news and what's relevant in the world today. This is episode three, and today we're going to be talking about STEM, which stands for science, 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 science technology, 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 engineering, 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 and, math, engineering. And, math, and math. And we're going to kind of talk about what is that? What does that actually mean? What are implications for curriculum, those types of things. I am one of your hosts, Karen Greenhouse, and our other host here is Tim Pope. Say good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you doing?
0: We are doing great. I guess it may not be morning when people are listening to this, but it is morning where we are.
1: Sure enough. Morning and even warm outside for a pleasant change. Yay. Yay. Um, So we're talking about STEM today. I do have have my bell ringer trivia question for you. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Um,
0: you know I'm terrible at trivia, right?
1: True <laughs> enough. The first year the STEM acronym was used. Any guesses?
0: The first year the STEM acronym. acronym. I'm gonna say two thousand
1: eight. Two thousand one. Really? Interesting. Okay. According to the According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, um, it says uh, the NSF, the National Science Foundation was the first and uh, actually if you want to go old school ever apparently originally it was referred to as Smet
0: okay that's terrible yeah okay
1: And then someone made the wise decision that, well, you know, we rearranged the letters. It could be something a little more memorable. Yeah, Smet. That's terrible. Smet. I'm going to start using that. I think, you know.
0: So I guess the question is, okay. so I was thinking more recent because it is such a pervasive acronym that you hear pretty much everywhere. It's in in politics. It's in, like, there's initiatives. Uh, Obama had a STEM initiative, right? So it's everywhere. So it is surprising to me that it started in 2001 because it feels like a much more recent push.
1: But the history makes a certain amount of sense. So I'll try to give a brief little history lesson greenhouse, you know, this, but uh, um, so back in the mid to late nineties, the national science foundation funded the development of um, inquiry based mathematics material with this idea of um Students using an investigative process to learn mathematics, um, and without oh, that could be a whole other episode about the whole math wars. But so that but that started this idea of using what in some elements is the engineering design process, using that in math education specifically was something that really had a groundswell of support beginning in the mid 90s. So the thought, so the timeline to me, once I read that, the timeline to me made a certain amount of sense, especially since it was the NSF that created the term, like, well, that would sort of make sense in the evolution of the work they were doing in terms of influencing education. Now, it didn't, I mean, it became, it got its heyday, I think, closer to 2008, and that was when Um, state governments, federal governments, nonprofits started putting money behind STEM education.
0: My thoughts as I was reading all the different articles I was reading is that the Common Core state standards and the next generation science standards, which emphasize, as you already said, that integrative approach, that's sort of now kind of the push is, oh, we need to have this STEM focus, because that's what these standards that the states are adopting are all about. It's about that inquiry. It's about real world connections, deeper understanding. So it makes sense that we're combining this integrative STEM approach.
1: It's the push, but it's, I think, with this idea of STEM being this idea of integrated lessons, and and you and I were talking before we started this thing about um, how that phrase stemmed depending on who's talking about it, it, gets used in a billion different ways. Um, I think one of the struggles though, is that the school structure doesn't support that kind of education. In terms of integrated education, into I mean, you and I were both high school teachers, I was a high school math teacher. I, at one point, I had one conversation with a chemistry teacher, because I was teaching algebra two, and my kids were taking chemistry, and I'm like, you know, we should try to figure out a way to do this together so we can support each other. But she looked at me, she's like, all right, well, we do Avogadro's number at the beginning of the year. So can you look at logarithms? (laughs) No, that um... (laughs) does not fit
0: (laughs) into my curriculum. So, right. So I guess that's probably the biggest question is it's this push to integrate these subjects, science, technology, engineering, but we we do teach the subjects in isolation. So how does that, can you have STEM in the current traditional way that we have school structured?
1: And that's the big question. And it's, I mean, because there's a teacher capacity issue around it as well. I mean, if you think, I, so I don't know if we ever talked about what we all do for a living. Maybe we did that the first episode. I work for a publisher.
0: Now, currently you work for a publisher, right? I work for myself.
1: Yes. And we make math and science books. And one of the products we have is integrated science, where instead of taking biology, chemistry, physics, you study science in order to solve problems and do sort of a problem-based, a very what I would consider STEM approach to learning science. We sell very little of them. And I, being a math guy, once I asked the authors, I'm like, so why aren't we selling this book? Especially in the world of uh, the next generation science standards, it seems like this would be a perfect fit. And she's like, it's really simple. In science, teachers are certified as biology teachers or chemistry teachers or physics teachers. To do integrated science, you'd have to be certified in all three. Now, in math, it's a little easier because in most states, if not all, math teachers get certified to teach math. When I got my math license, I could teach any high school math course. Or,
0: well, you're either... I know it's either elementary or secondary, so if you're elementary, you're not going to be teaching algebra or geometry, but if you're secondary, you can teach the isolated subjects, all of them. In theory. So if you don't want me teaching calculus, that's all I'm saying.
1: Oh, no, no, don't sell yourself short. So point being, you could do integrated math and there are integrated math programs out there. Brief shout out to our friends from IMD. That's right. But uh, they're out there and they have some traction because at least teachers are certified and they can teach the whole deal. Now you have to be comfortable with it. And there's all sorts of systemic struggles around that. But point being, beyond just the teacher piece, culturally, I mean, I think culturally schools have been developed and that's what the expectation is. So how do you combine those? And I think that. requires a systemic approach. Now, there are pieces I think you can do. There are math curricula out there, and there are math teachers who are infusing more of a inquiry-based, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. You want to give a definition of what, I'm, what we mean, but usually when we talk about inquiry-based math curriculum?
0: Inquiry-based is you are doing something in context with a student, so a real-world situation, and they are going to discover the mathematical concepts they need and make their own kind of rules by doing this type of investigation. So you're not giving them the rules. They're working through a contextual problem, situation, whatever, to discover their own patterns and make their own rules. So inquiry. I mean,
1: one of the trendy buzzwords that we hear a lot now if you go to math conferences is this idea that rather than lessons, it's about tasks. And you present a, a engaging task to which students have to figure out, well, what... What questions do I want to answer, and how would I go about answering them? Which leads into the engineering design process. It leads into the scientific method. study idea of creating a hypothesis, testing that hypothesis. So there are programs, things teachers can do to integrate those kind of ideas into a course. Right. And I know it happens, and I'm sure because thousands of people are going to listen to this podcast. Thousands. I'm sure we're going to get feedback that, that there are schools that I know that do project-based learning.
0: Right. I was just going to say, it. it seems like this type of STEM where you're trying to integrate, you making a deliberate integration is project-based. So I can see, I, I was just thinking of my own teaching in, in middle school where, I don't know what your middle schools are like where you are, but we were teamed. So basically you had a team of the core subjects. So your science, your math, your language arts, your history. And in theory, we had the same students, so we could do this project-based learning. Now, it was definitely an effort to do that because as you already pointed out i may be teaching something in math that does not at all connect what they're teaching in the science curriculum but we used to make specific projects where in theory i guess they could be considered stem like we um i the one that always comes to my mind is it happened when apollo 13 came out that movie Can say
1: again, please? Uh-huh. Uh, here's
0: about apollo. and we decided let's do this whole project around space and math. And so we basically used that movie and the things that happened in that movie in particular, remember when they had to fit the uh, round hole into the square peg or whatever, when they were trying to save them. We
1: have a situation brewing with the carbon dioxide. We had a CO2 filter problem on the lunar module. The O2 levels are gonna be getting toxic.
0: Well, I suggest you gentlemen invent a way to put a square peg in a round hole rapidly. So we did a whole science. The kids wrote about it. We studied the, the engineering behind how would that have happened. We actually had students writing directions and blindfolding each other and trying to tell someone directions. And that was part of the math, the logic, and the steps that you have to follow. So we attempted to create, in theory, it wasn't called STEM, but like an integrated project, right? So I feel like that's what people are doing now when they think about STEM and, oh yeah, we're doing STEM. They're, it's project-based. I was reading, there's one, these students, I can't remember, I think it's in Montana, they designed a plane that can actually fly as part of a project. So they were doing a STEM project where they were looking at the physics and the engineering and the mathematics behind how do we make this plane, then how do we actually make it fly?
1: So, I guess the the obvious question how do you how do you think that's any better than what we have traditionally done, where you and I taught algebra and then some other wise person taught biology and et cetera, et cetera?
0: What I think is that the students are seeing a connection between the subjects because if you think about it, in the real world, you're not just doing algebra problems, right? If you're in the real world in a workplace environment, you're probably, your problems that you're solving are multidimensional, right? You're not just doing the math. You're trying to do the the writing up about it, those types of things. So I feel like a STEM approach or a project-based learning approach is more realistic because you're being exposed to all the different elements. It's not just one content area that is exposed in the real world. So that's my thoughts As kids are getting a, a sense for real problems that are really out there.
1: Well, especially as math educators, I mean, what's the, the number one biggest complaint slash question you get from kids? Why do I need to know this? So to be able to take a course which is traditionally seen as really abstract and totally separated from anything in a student's real life, to be able to incorporate that into something like, okay, well, how do we make this plane fly? How do we make the egg drop from the roof without cracking open? That seems to be a distinct benefit there for everybody.
0: Well, I mean, and that I think, you know, in all my research that, you know, why do we even have this, Dan? What is the whole point of it? It seemed like the big emphasis is we're trying to get more students into those STEM fields, so more engineers, more mathematicians, where they're having, you know, a falling back of that. So if you expose them to interesting real-world types of problems, you're going to engage the students early and get them interested in these careers, these um, involved Types of problem solving. So that's, again, one of the big pushes is my understanding from what I was reading, is that these real life problems are much more engaging, they're relevant to the real world, and students are going to basically be excited about this and want to continue to pursue these types of careers.
1: Right. I guess we sort of already touched on how STEM works for Common Core Next Generation, specifically Next Generation. I I mean, they have a part of their standards that they call cross-cutting concepts, where the whole idea is that you're looking for connections both within the science curriculum and across across learning in general. So as well as what they call science practices, Common Core calls it math practices. So this idea of project-based learning, of learning through inquiry, those that are in the know, the experts in our field are saying that they're endorsing this as a way to promote better learning.
0: I love it. I mean, you know, you and I both worked for Key Curriculum, and that was one of the reasons I loved that whole, um, and actually you still have those series, the Discovering series was because it was, to me, may not have necessarily been STEM, but it was very real world, very inquiry based. And i thought that was a much more engaging way for students to connect the math they were learning to the world around them.
1: And, And I think that slowly but surely, I think the evolution for those that have been pioneers in this movement may be a little frustrated, but my sense is slowly but surely, it's moving forward overall. I mean, as much as programs like the key curriculum programs, and and we gave the shout out to IMP, the Integrated Math Program, uh, a few minutes ago. As much as those programs themselves may or may not be selling terribly well, I mean, if you look at uh, textbooks from the giant companies that have the vast majority of the market, they're beginning to at least offer the opportunity for students to engage in this kind of an inquiry-based process. I mean, there's a ton of work to go. I mean, Common Core has now been out. I, I felt like an old man when I realized, I think it was last year that it had been 10 years since the Common Core, the first draft of the Common Core came oh my out. My
0: gosh, yeah, that's crazy. But speaking of the Common Core, even in the language arts, uh, if you think about the Common Core or those standards, it is focusing in a sense on STEM because the reading that students are asked to do is from all fields so there's they read on historical they read on science they read on engineering so that students are being exposed even in language arts to all other real world concepts so even those language arts standards are trying to incorporate this idea of the real world and the relevant in uh, different areas not just fiction and those types of things
1: I, I just have to briefly connect you to talk about language arts. You do know that STEM is not the only acronym out there anymore.
0: I, I, I know there's a, STEAMS, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. The one that you shared, STREAM, I had never heard of before. I had to look that up.
1: So STREAM, you have to tack on reading.
0: Wait, that's not, okay, so that's not what I found. I found that the R stood for religion.
1: Okay, so that is, I've heard that too. So if you're talking to folks from religious-based schools, they use the R to talk about religion or religious training. I've also heard it used as reading. Basically, the language arts folks, they want to be included as well. And I, as, as a public service, did a, little, did a little work last night. Oh, no.
0: Because I know you asked, is there someone who can have an acronym that includes every course?
1: and there's great there's great anagram tools on the internet so i'm here to formally introduce that we should come up with help smart help smart yeah help smart cuz then that includes also um history uh, pe and uh... <laughs> Uh, L is for languages because they don't call them foreign languages. That's its own acronym now. It's uh, a lot of schools call it languages other than English. So I just put L for languages. You know, we can get everybody involved. And
0: I guess maybe that's the question: is why do we just pick you know the four, the five? Like, in theory, students should be connecting everything they're doing in school to to the real world. Like, like try to inc- interconnect all the things they're learning somehow. Now, that's a big stretch, perhaps,
1: but... Well, history repeats itself. Because, you know, this isn't the first time in education that the focus came on, we need kids to be better at math and science. Sure. I mean, that all started with Sputnik back in the 60s, a little before our time. We're not that old. Not quite. Not quite. So that was the first big push. And I think there's this sense of promoting jobs and especially now with manufacturing jobs being outsourced and going outside the country. Well, if we stick within the STEM disciplines, those are things that we're going to, that will be successful careers here in this country and help promote productivity. Although I have to say, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm being totally derogatory because I do appreciate the need for a holistic education. I mean, you talk about jobs and I was thinking about this last night when I was preparing and thinking about just what I did yesterday here on my job. And the amount of different skills that I was exposed to. I mean, I sat in a meeting yesterday with a designer going through covers of a new book we're about to come out with. And then I had to proof a couple math tests and go through and make sure all the problems made sense and had the correct answer. And then I had to sit down with editors and go through uh, an editing process. So I get that it all has to come together um, the cynic the cynic in me thinks people just keep uh, increasing the, uh, making the acronym bigger because there's money attached to it and everybody wants money for their subject area.
0: Well, I think, I mean, if you just think about what, what is it that we're really doing, we're really trying to create problem solvers with our students, right? We want them to be able to go out into whatever career or college or whatever and become problem solvers so that they can do multiple things. So that's how I think of STEM is, is we want them to become critical thinkers. And if you only have them focus on one subject, one type of problem at a time, they're not going to become this rounded individual. So that's how I think about it is, you know, how can a teacher who's just in a math class help this STEM push? Well, create and have problems that are multidimensional. And have aspects of writing and have aspects of technology incorporated into it. That's how I think about it, because it's really about, can they become good problem solvers and exist in the global world that is going to be their future?
1: And through, whether it's the engineering design process or the scientific method, to have structure for developing those critical thinking tools that teachers across the curricula can use, whether it's the math teacher, the science teacher, that I think helps. When we silo classes, especially at the secondary level, this is less they all know level, where those poor teachers are supposed to be experts at everything. But once you get into the the secondary level, the more siloed it is. Everyone, like there isn't a teacher that would say, I don't teach critical thinking. I don't think a single teacher would say that. The struggle is they all do it their own way. And many learners aren't able to make that connection between how you're teaching me critical thought in my algebra class and how my biology teacher teaches it. Because very few adolescents have that capacity to have that sort of meta thinking about how am I approaching my learning. Um, So I think as teachers, we need to do it for it. So if the STEM structure does it, that's great. If there is some sort of construct for critical thinking that could also be applied in a language arts class when looking at Shakespeare or in a history class when looking at the causes of the War of 1812, I'm all for it. But just to cram things together into an acronym to say, well, because you're going to integrate everything, well, yeah, that's why we have kids take all those classes and why college students get to take their gen eds and have to take certain classes across the spectrum. Sure. The focus of STEM education or STEAM or STREAM or Help Smart. I'm telling you, I'm pushing Help Smart. I think-
0: okay, Help Smart. I don't know.
1: I'm pushing it. It's going to be a hashtag. I'm going okay. for it. Okay, you're going for it. Okay. The idea is we need to come up with a, a construct so that those problem-solving, critical thinking skills can be applied across the board. And if that's possible, then I, I'm all for it. It's just I think it's a lot easier with STEM to make that happen. But I
0: think I think all schools now. Like I'm just thinking people listening right now. Well, our school doesn't have STEM. Well, you can create it yourself as you're as you're talking about like. Get your teachers together and all agree to do this type of it. I think that's what is that what you're saying is like there's ways around you don't have to say you're a STEM school. You could be doing this idea of integrating these topics or just integrating the analysis, the scientific approach if you work together.
1: Exactly. You shared earlier when you taught middle school and you taught in a team, my my son's middle school had a, a similar structure and the kids were in houses and there's a team of teachers. It's To me, the point of STEM is helping that group of teachers come up with a common structure or language so that they are helping push kids together into developing their critical thinking skills. And you can do that whether you call it STEM or you have STEM classes. I mean, the conversation we haven't even had yet is exactly what does technology mean in terms of STEM. I would argue just being a one-to-one, one school doesn't mean that you've covered the T in STEM because the question is, what are you doing with that technology? I would posit there are all sorts of schools that have STEM programs that, in fact, probably aren't what the National Science Foundation had in mind when they came up with this idea of STEM. And I would argue there's probably schools that don't use that acronym at all and do a phenomenal job. Yeah, doing a pretty great job. I want to know if you have, there's one or other question we had on our little prep list here that we haven't talked about, and I don't have a good answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway because maybe you do. You asked, can we provide an example of a STEM lesson? Like. If I'm a teacher listening to this podcast, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Where, where where do I go? Well,
0: the one I was talking about with the airplane that may be too much, but one of the things I read was a group of it was middle schoolers and they were trying to design they were going out into their community and testing the waters and trying to come up with a simple filtration system for water, right? In their community in the in the local park, I think it was. So they were testing the water, so that's their science, and then they were um, studying and analyzing the different elements that they found. So to me, that was kind of math and science, and then they were trying to come up with different ways that they could filter out some of the sediments and things like that. So then that's sort of your, I'm gonna say engineering, because they were developing a, a, like a device that would filter it, right? And so then some of them used technology to test it. So, I mean, to me, that was sort of a really cool project that incorporated STEM. And then they were writing about what they found and why it would be important to have these, not to have these elements in the water if you're going to drink it, those types of things. So that's just kind of a, but it's definitely a project base. It was the kids were very involved and they were doing different elements in each of their courses. And then they were all going out into the field and actually, you know, gathering the soil and the water and all that type of stuff. So that's a, to me, it was a very project-based, but that was a nice STEM lesson because all the teachers were involved in some aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I, I will we'll post a link. I found a link yesterday to an article that had sort of criteria for what a good STEM lesson is that I found interesting, which basically is would be a fine little summary of the last 30 minutes of our conversation here. I guess the only other place I know... Both, uh, if you're a science or a math teacher, um, both NSTA and NCTM, the professional organizations, have good tasks on their websites that get at this idea. I don't know if they explicitly look to integrate the subject areas. But in terms of using an inquiry process and having an engaging task to promote problem-solving strategies, they both have good resources for that. Well,
0: this leads me to another thing. If it doesn't have one of the elements, is it not a good lesson, right? So I, I feel like people think, oh, if it's STEM, everything we do has to have every single one of those aspects in it. And I don't think that's true. I think it's more the the process, right? Um, so you don't have to have a, a lesson that's always math, always science, always technology, and always engineering, it can be many other things, and it can leave some things out. It's the process, I think that you're really trying to integrate subjects and thinking and problem solving into a prob a real problem
1: I agree, and I would think as if you're a parent, it's looking for opportunities to ask the question like why or how do you think this will work i um I'm gonna tell a brief story which is gonna make me sound like a dork that lacks social skills. Um, which may in hmm. fact be true. I just <laughs> really? saying. Hmm. Actually, this one, this story is actually more throwing my wife under the bus than myself. I don't know if she'll ever listen to these podcasts, so we'll see. This is like about a year ago. She was going to the grocery store, and kids she said, can I get you anything? And I said, yes, will you get me a package of the whole wheat fig newtons because they're the healthy cookie. So she went to the store. She came home with no less than 12 different boxes of different types of cookies. Now, I also have lots of kids, so... It, our four kids at the house. She gave each kid three boxes and then said so they had to come up with uh, to, and to determine whether dad in fact was right that the, whole wheat fig newtons worth the healthy cookie.
0: And were you? I'm curious.
1: Um, I was totally wrong. <laughs> so they all did their analysis looking at uh, how much, uh, what is it, sodium, sugar, calories were in each serving. I was wrong, but I posit that the answer to the question, the winner was not a real cookie because the winner was the ginger snap, which I enjoy ginger snap periodically as much as the next guy, but I posit that that shouldn't count as a cookie. That's
0: not a cookie. Well, only in your family would she come home and do a math situation math science exploration
1: just for the record though my kids loved that because as much as they had to do math for a while we did end up with 12 boxes of cookies <laughs> right. at the house good point good point no one ate the ginger snaps except for me so that's an extreme story but the idea of whether it's uh you're planning you're planning your garden and asking you're uh, asking your kids to figure out like well how many different cucumber plants do you think we can we put in here and
0: which plants can go next to each other and which ones shouldn't go next to each other
1: The reality is, we all problem solve every day. Whether it's scheduling, how you're going to get everyone to their practices and to wherever, scheduling meals, whatever. But looking for those opportunities as a parent, just as you're living your daily life, the more you can invite students, your children, to think through solving those kind of problems, the more you're going to lead into building these skills. There's lots of ways we can promote that kind of problem solving. I don't think it necessarily always has to be a structural thing.
0: And that can be said of teachers too. We know you have a curriculum. have to uh, complete, right? But you can ask those simple questions, why, and make it a much more interesting lesson.
1: And not just why, but whether you're a teacher or a parent, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Asking kids to predict, come up with a hypothesis, and then how are you going to figure that out? I mean that that whole that whole process is what the the quote stem process is. And thank goodness, because our president just took out all STEM funding from the education budget in his latest budget plan. So we we will have no support for the structure. So we'll have to do it. We'll have to do it ourselves.
0: Right. But that doesn't mean you don't do it. It doesn't mean it's going away. It means, and, And, you know, I guess the end here is it's a way of thinking that you can promote in your own teaching if you're a teacher just by asking different types of questions. True
1: enough. So with that said, I think we're reaching the end of another podcast. Standard reminders. Give us a rating, make comments. We promise to read. We're learning how to do this too, so we're hoping that uh, listeners will help us make it even better. We
0: will have links to some of the articles that we found on STEM. Sounds great. Thanks, Tim.
1: Thank you. And we look forward to talking to you all again.
0: You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook with the handle at 180 Days Podcast where we continue the conversation, post links to articles for each episode, and send out updates and announcements. The educated citizen knows how much more there is to know. Knowledge is power, more so today than ever before.